Well, my youngest is a freshman at Washtenaw Baptist University in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, all right? The Mighty Fighting Tigers of OBU, and uh, she is absolutely loving it. Uh, it was not easy, an easy decision to make for her. Starting her junior year, she began to think, okay, what do I need to do? What am I going to do? Senior year comes, still doesn't know what she's going to do. Everybody in the world is asking her, what are you going to do? You're going to go to college? Where are you going to go to college? And she has no answers, okay? And some of you have been there, and you know, you know what she was dealing with, and she was stressed. She's so compliant. She wants to do what everybody wants to do. She looks at me, and she looks at Lisa's, just tell me what to do. I'll do it, you know? And um, I'm like, we don't have the answer. She goes, I know you have the answer. You're just trying to teach me how to hear God's voice and make choices. And I'm like, no, we do not know. We really don't. And so uh, after, you know, weeks and months of exploring and researching and, and, uh, and touring schools and applying and, and uh, you know, putting deposits down and, and getting roommates, we ended up having two schools to choose from. And uh, we came to the very last day. We said, okay, we're going to make one more visit to this school, right? Let's take a look at it. She had two roommates already, okay? One on her, one, one at the other. You know, she knew she was going to have to break up with one of them. It was going to be bad. She didn't like that. You know, we, we, we had scholarship money available. And so the very last day to accept your scholarship and not lose your deposits Okay, we made a visit, and the last hour of that last day, God ended up coming through and spoke to us. And it was powerful. And it was powerful to teach her how to make a decision and how to make an important choice. Now, um, a couple of days later, she was worn out. I mean, my little girl was worn out. She so wanted to do what was right, and she knew she had done the right thing. But she came downstairs one day, and she looked at me, and she was just thinking about adulting, you know, and all, and all the decisions that there are in adulthood. And she's like, I don't like this, and I don't want this. And she looked at me. She goes, Daddy, I'm serious now. She goes, I can't do it. I want you just to pick out my husband. All right? you just pick, I promise you. I'll love him. I'll marry him. I trust you. Whatever you. I looked at her, and I'm like, Sarah Collins, I love you. She was serious. We're taking applications, all right? <laughs> Could start applying, start meeting with me once a week, all right? In about three or four years, you might win her over or win me over. W one condition, you have to live at our house because the rest of your life because she's never leaving us, all right? So that's, that's how that's working. You know, we all have to do, we do all have to make a lot of big decisions. In college, you know, uh, careers, you know, children, uh, whether we're going to start a new business, we're going to start a ministry. You know, we've got a lot of different big decisions that happen in our lives. And it's important for us to be able to know how to make right decisions, right choices. You know, I've come to an age, um, not that I'm old, but I have come to an age that I have a few wins under my belt. And uh, you might look at me and, and you see that I'm married. We've been married almost 31 years. We love each other. We love hanging with each other. We chase each other around. We just, we think it's awesome. We've, we've recently become empty nesters and we actually still like each other and we still like to hang out with each other. And what's awesome is the, the other day, it's been about a month since we've been empty nesters. My daughter got married to Kevin right here and they're on the front row. Y'all give it up to the newlyweds right there. 
And, uh, you know, and so we've been about a month. And so a couple days ago, I looked at her. I said, honey, it feels like we're on vacation. It does. It just feels like we're on vacation. You, me, our house. We got our TV, Netflix, our dog. And we can call our kids when we want to, see them when we want to. And then they can go home. It's amazing. It really is. I'm blessed to have three awesome children that love the Lord. Two of them have chosen godly spouses. You know, one of them has a, a, a given us a grandson already, Slade Stephen, and the and the got one in the oven. Little little Lindley Kay's on the way in July. I mean, we are really blessed. We've made a lot of progress. I look at my life, and I am blessed, and I feel blessed. And you might say, well. What do you attribute your blessings to? And I, I do believe, obviously, the encounters of God that I've had. Uh, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, been delivered of all kind of darkness, all kind of junk in my life. But when it comes right down to it, although all that really shaped me and shaped me well for where I am today, when it comes right down to it, when I really think about it, why am I where I am today? I think it's because I've consistently, for the most part, made good choices. It's amazing what choices will do. Choices will lead you to your destiny. Whether it's a good destiny or a bad destiny. John Maxwell says life is a matter of choices. Every choice you make, makes you. I like to say a choice can either make you, or it can break you. It's important for us. It's important for us to know how to make right choices. God could have created us, and he could have created us robots, but he didn't. He created us with something in us that gave us free will to choose. And so we need to choose well. God even encourages us in Deuteronomy chapter 30 to make the right choices. He says in Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20, he says, today, I've given you the choice. He has given us the choice between life and death. You know, I don't know about you, but if I have the choice between receiving life and receiving death, I want to make the right choice. Okay, then he goes on and he says, between blessings and curses. We get to choose whether we're going to walk in blessings or curses. So I understand we say, well, you know, I, you know, I grew up in this particular situation and I had this kind of marriage and, and this is what happened with my career. We have all of us have different kind of circumstances, okay, and situations. But the Lord is here today telling us that today we have the choice. We have the choice between life and death. We have the choice between blessing and curses. And he says, and it's, he says now I call upon heaven and earth to witness your choice. No pressure. But all of heaven and earth are watching you to see if you're going to choose life and if you're going to choose blessings. All of heaven and earth are witnessing us. And then he says, and you can tell just from his heart, a heart of a father, oh, oh, that you would choose life. Oh, I've set it up where you can choose. Oh, would you choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Every choice that we make not only not only affects directly us, but, for, but directly affects our descendants and those who we influence. 
You, and it says you can choose. He says you can make this choice. You can do it. And this is how you do it. You do it by loving God, by obeying Him, committing yourself firmly to Him. Make the right choices. And then he says this at the end. He says, this is the key to your life. Mic drop. This is the key to your life. Making right choices. I've given you the power to make choices for yourself. Yes, we've been given the Holy Spirit. Yes, we've been given the Word. Yes, we've been given eternal life. Yes, we've been given the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. But when it comes right down to it, with all that that we've received, now there's much required. And it's us making right choices. Right choices. So today I want to talk to you about the subject of choices. Choices. By the end of the message, I'm hoping that and praying that those who are watching and those who are listening today, that you will have a more of a better, you'll have a better understanding of how to make right choices, godly choices. And with each and every time we come together, there are people that are rock bottom low, okay? Maybe in a particular area or literally in your whole life. Things are not going well. You've made some wrong choices and you need to somehow get out of the pit. And I want to help you toward the end of the message and give you some specifics on how you can get out of that pit. So there's a lot of decisions to make. Sociologists say that, that we make over 40,000 voluntarily and involuntary decisions a day. Choices of, you know, brush your teeth. Choices of turning the right instead of left. Making coffee. Setting thermostat. Wearing high heel pumps. You know, whatever it is. Very important decisions, okay? But then there are some others that are even bigger decisions. Like whether we're going to go for the Cowboys or the Seahawks. I mean, come on. I see my brother here with the hat representing, all right? And that's an eternal decision. One goes to heaven and one, I'm not going to say... We pray for our pastor. Oh, we pray for the Cowboys. How about that? There's other big decisions like Chick-fil-A or Popeye's. I mean, that's a big decision. And then, now they throw in the donut sandwich at KFC. Come on. Has anybody tried that? Did y'all see that? Hot donut up on top, hot donut on the bottom, and the slice of fried chicken in the middle. You, if you do that, you promise you, you'll go to heaven soon. All right? So... Test it and let me know how it is, right? So the entire Bible, when we look at the Bible, it's a compilation of stories about men and women, okay, who make choices, okay, that determine their destiny. Basically what it is. So our life is the sum of all the choices that we've made. When you look at your life, for the most part, you can look to see what kind of decisions that you've made. Like I said, we all start at a different place. We all have been raised differently. We all have different advantages and privileges than others. I understand that. But what are we doing with what we've been given now? All right? What are we doing? You know, I've told my kids for years, and they're right here, and they could tell you, good choices, good results. Bad choices, bad results. Will you be my children today? Will you repeat after me? Good choices, good results. Bad choices, bad results. It ain't that complicated. I know we make it a whole bunch more complicated than that. But when it gets right down to it, if you want good results, make good decisions. 
Make good decisions. Now, I understand that things do happen in life. I understand that have nothing to do with you, and, and it adversely affects us. There are other people that have made decisions that have made your life difficulty and difficult, and I understand that as well. But let me just say this. No matter where we've come from, no matter the effects that things have had and people have had on us, if we consistently choose to make right decisions in a right in a one particular area, I promise you almost all the time you will most certainly have a good result. You will. You'll have a good result. What's the best decision you've ever made? Jesus, right? Your wife. I got I got married. I got there, some of you are like, no, my wife wasn't. That wasn't one of them. Well, we're praying for you still, okay? What's the best decision you've ever... Think about some of the best decisions that you've made. I want to give you a few of mine, all right? I'm going to have to hit them real quickly. You don't need to write them down. Uh, these are just mine. And I had nine, but because of time, it's seven now, and it might be five. We'll see, all right? Pursue a relationship with Jesus. Best decision I ever made, all right? Secondly, love my wife well. Love her as Christ loved the church. Lisa was broken. I was clueless, Okay? I learned that the way that God fixes my wife, okay, is love her as Christ loved the church. Lay my life down for her. Put her first. Be selfless. God provides an environment for her. Then God moves in her life. And now you look at her and she's blossoming. She's awesome. She's amazing. 31 years. 31 years and God has blessed us. You know, um, not only has God changed her life by me loving her well, okay, he's changed my life. Because up until that point, I never had any problems. I mean, I'm serious. I didn't have any problems. I looked at people and I'd go, what's wrong with you? You're depressed? Just don't be. You're sad? Don't be. Okay? You know, that was my answer. Like, well, stop it. Just quit. Quit acting like that. You got fears? Well, stop. Don't you? I'm, that's just the way I was. Well, now I'm a way better pastor. I'm way more empathetic with everybody and their problems and help people walk through and, t- you know, introduce them to God and the power of God and his ways. And I'm a way, way better man today. Third, invest in my children. Invest in my children. The Bible say children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Some of you are like, waiting for the gift part. <laughs> waiting for the reward part. And I know you're all in it. I understand. we got children. they got their ways. And I understand that. But I'm going to tell you something. You'll never regret the investment that you pay in your, put your, putting your children. You won't. For 26 years, Lisa and I have been raising kids. 26 years, all right? And now we're enjoying the spoils. <laughs> we are enjoying life. We're, we've got... Uh, we've got uh, uh, kids that are loving Jesus. we got grandkids. We're living the dream. Number four, start a church. We started the church and never quit. Believe you me, we started the church with no money, no people, no church sponsor, just faith, okay? <laughs> just faith. And it was hard. It, I would not recommend it, all right? I'd recommend a different way, all right? We did have a lot of faith, at least at one point. There was a point multiple times I'm like, I'm quitting. We're quitting. This is too difficult. Then as things got better, you know, we actually were getting, you know, paid instead of, you know, instead of, uh, you know, not getting paid. It usually works better when the pastor's paid, you know, he, and, 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 and 
just things started coming together. We began to start a youth revival. Pastor Dustin and Jamie came. We were running four services in, in Building A, blowing and going. And then God asked us to transition and pass the leadership, man of leadership to Pastors Dustin and Jamie. And uh, let me just tell you something. God has blessed us. He has blessed our church. We have grown in the last seven years almost three times, okay? God is doing phenomenal things. But it hasn't always been easy for us. Lisa and I have wondered, is it best for us to be here? Is it not? Sometimes it's awkward, you know, da, da, da. you could imagine at the beginning. And, you know, kind of where's our place? And Pastor Dustin and Jamie always have been very, very gracious. And after about the third year of him saying, no, we want you here, we want you. I got convinced. You actually do want us here. And so, and so it's amazing. And so let me just say this. There are times where we felt like quitting. There's time where we felt like leaving. But the bottom line is we stayed. We stayed. We didn't quit the church. We stayed. And God's influence on us is greater today than it has ever been before. I understand that sometimes we start some things and it gets difficult and it's hard. And when we hit a wall, and I believe that there's some people here today, some people watching today, that you've hit that wall, and you're wondering, man, should I just quit? Should I just? Don't quit. Don't quit. Break through it. The Bible tells us in Galatians 6, verse 9, it says, So let's not get tired in doing good at just the right time. I hate that because it's not just the right time for me. It's just the right time for God. And sometimes my time and God's time are different. Y'all know that, right? But just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if you don't give up. Number five, decided that I was going to fight for freedom. I live a life of warfare. I live a life of fighting for freedom. When I got right my sophomore year in college and I got set free from a bunch of junk, I said, it ain't happening no more. And I stood against it. I took authority over it, understood that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I would say, no, but I realized that Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And let me just say this. I've made a decision that I'm going to war. I'm going to war for my soul. I'm going to war for my marriage. I'm going to war for my family. I'm going to war for this church. Live a lifestyle of warfare. Number six, tithe. I always grew up tithing. Lisa and I have been married almost 31 years. We cannot remember a time we did not tithe. We cannot remember a time. There might be, okay, and if you show me, I'll say, okay. But as far as we consciously say, we just cannot remember a time we don't tithe. You know, I've come to a point to where I realize that God does not need my money but I need his hand. I want to tell you how we tithe. The Bible says you give the first and the best. We literally, the very first thing that comes out of our account when we get paid is tithe. And, and this is how we do it. This is not a tithing message, but you'll be blessed if you listen to this and grab a hold. Just grab it, rub shoulders with me on this, all right? I'll agree with you. And, but I tithe online. And so right when I get paid that morning, I'm, get on, I'm going online, church1132.com, all right? And you got the donate button. And before I hit the donate button, I go to Lisa. Hey, Lisa, getting ready to tithe. You ready? She says, yep. And before we push the button, I say, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for the blessings that you've given to us. Thank you how you've provided for us. Lord, thank you for the health that you've given to us and to our children. Thank you for our marriage. Thank you for our church. Thank you for our kingdom influence. You've been so faithful to all the years we've been with you. 
And we know you'll continue. Lord, according to your word, anybody can do that, by the way. You can just thank him, okay? Okay, and according to your word, Malachi, it says that those who tithe will rebuke, you'll rebuke the devourer for us. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, you'd rebuke the devourer, the one who's coming against us. Lord, your word says you'll break the curses by tithing. Lord, we, we break the curses today in the name of Jesus. Lord, your word says you'll open up the windows of heaven that we, you would pour out blessings that would be more than we can handle. Lord, we receive those blessings today. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name, and we donate. We tithe. God's blessed us. It's one of the greatest decisions that I've ever made in my life is to be a man who tithes. My dad would always say, tithing just puts you in a position to be blessed. It puts you in a position to be blessed. Number seven. Number seven. A value Christian community. Value community. It just made a decision that I'm, I'm going to value community. I'm not going to do life. I'm not going to live this Christian life on my own. I'm going to be involved in a church. We're going to be involved in church. We're going to be involved in small groups. We're going to be involved not just on Sundays, but we're going to do life with other brothers and sisters from our church. I remember the day I left to go to college and uh, in my 77 Grand Prix, all right? We're heading out, all right? And, and my dad looks at me and he said, son, and this is the wisdom he gave me. He did not say, I want you to make straight A's or you're coming home. That's not what he said. He did not say, he, he did not say I don't want you to get in trouble. He did not say, I don't want you to get a girl pregnant. Which, all those things are good, to, to, to good advice, all right? But the advice he gave me was, get with God's people. It was kind of weird at the time. But I quickly learned how important it was. He realized that if I would get with God's people, I would become godly. And so valuing Christian community is very important. The Bible tells us in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church, Jesus says, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. All the powers of hell will not I will build my, I want to be a part of the church, okay? My involvement in the church involves fellowship. It involves caring for one another. It involves accountability, people confronting me in love, speaking truth in love to me. It involves comforting me. It involves iron sharpening iron. You see, the Bible's Jesus clearly says, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And I know that there are people here, and you know, rather smart people, maybe listening online, you know, that says, you know, I'm not much for organized religion, not much for the organized church. Well, my question to you is, does your unorganized church ward off the host of hell for you? Because my church does for me. How about you? The, you go to the church or the bass boat on the lake on Sunday morning, all right? I just wonder, is your church, unorganized church, there for you? When your daughter, three years of age, gets beat, gets bitten by a dog and pulls her lip off, guess what? My church was there praying for us and praying for us. How about when your other daughter is junior in high school and almost dies because of a heart condition? Was your church there? Because my church is there, was there, and is there praying, believing, comforting, hugging, being Jesus to us. Let me just say this. I thank God 
that God has a church that's organized and is an army of love attacking people with his love and with his grace. I value Christian community. It's important. It's so important. Some of you might ask, hey, if I make all right decisions, if I make all right decisions, will eliminate pain? And I'm going to say, it's a big fat no. We have pain. God promises us we're going to go through pain, suffering, trials. He just does. Those things, it's not a message on pain and suffering, but those things, when we, when, we, when we handle them the right way, we grow and it strengthens us. But what I will say is that if we do make right choices, all the pain and suffering, needless pain and suffering that we inflict on ourselves, okay, we won't go through that. And I'm just going to speak, okay, experientially as a pastor for a while now. About 80, 90% of all the pain that I'm helping people work through are people doing this, shooting themselves in the foot. Making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, trying to get themselves out of the pit. Very little is stuff that just brought on. Most of it, we bring it on ourselves. But I will say this, in the midst of your pain and suffering, whether you brought it on, whether it's something... uh, whether you had a loss, something that somebody hurt you, whatever the pain and suffering that you're going through, if you make right decisions in the midst of your pain, I promise you it will catapult you closer to your destiny. It will use your pain for profit. You can do it. I want to give you just a few steps, and if you want to write this down, you can write this down, uh, of how to make a right choice. You know, as you know, you, you hear how we tried to make a right decision with Sarah and we led her. It was a year process of making this decision. I think it's important, okay, that we get really practical and we discover and we learn and we understand how to make right choices. Some of us, well, I don't need that. Well, have you made right choices? Look at your life and are you making right choices? Because if you haven't and you keep doing it, you're just going to keep messing up. Okay, so let's maybe look into something new. Let's let's bring forth a little change. So the first thing that's important if you're going to make right decision is ask God for help. Don't forget to ask God. You have not because you ask not, right? Ask him. He wants to help. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added. Seek him. Ask him. You know, Let it be your request be God-first requests. Let them be selfless requests. Let them be requests made of right motives. So check your motives. Secondly, listen for God's voice. Don't just ask Him, ask Him, ask Him. But somehow, someway, we've got to listen for His voice. He wants to speak to you. He does. He speaks to you through His Holy Spirit by the Word of God, by prayer, by circumstances, and even by people. So be looking in your circumstances. Be looking with the people that you're connecting with, people that you trust. Be getting getting in the Word, praying, seeking Him, asking Him. And the more you do that, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, reveal to me. Show us, show us. Thirdly, incorporate not only the spiritual, but the practical. 
We, sometimes we'll get practical and we focus all on the practical. Sometimes we get spiritual, we focus all on the spiritual. If you want to make good choices consistently, you're going to need to look at the practical and the spiritual. Pray, pray, fast, pray together, get in the Word, you know, sing, worship, do all the things you need to do spiritually, okay? But also get practical, with Sarah, we did all this. We, we prayed. She prayed together in her quiet times. We prayed in our quiet times. We came together and prayed. And, and I mean, we fasted. We sought the Lord, you know, at the beginning of the year. That was her, fa- her fast was, Lord, where do we, what am I going to do for college? So we were attacking it spiritually, but we were also attacking it very practically as well. We even came to a point where it got down to two, and we drew a line and said pros and cons. That's not ungodly. You actually can do pros and cons. You actually can use your mind when we make decisions. It's, it's amazing. God will actually use our minds. He gave us a mind. He gave us reason and capabilities, faculties. So why don't we do them? We don't want to focus on those, okay? But we do want to use them. So incorporate the practical and the spiritual. And fourthly, go with what seems right. Oh, now you're getting all pagan, Pastor. Just what seems right, what feels good, just go with it, right? Well, maybe if we didn't just, if I didn't just say, ask God for help, listen to God's voice, attack it spiritually and practically, if I just said it seems right, maybe so. But there is a point when you do all these things, there is a point where you just, as you walk, you just go, it just seems right. Some people might say, I just have a peace. Now, seeming right and having a peace better line up with the Word of God, okay? You can't say, well, it just seems I have a peace. No, you don't, because God's Word says no. Okay, so we don't even have to ask some things. So what I want to say is in the book of Acts, you know, where you had tongues of fire, smoke. You, I mean, you, you, you had literally, I'm looking at my shadow right now, and the shadow in the book of Acts, I hit my son-in-law right there, the power of God would fall Okay, from the shadow and heal people. It was amazing. And then smack dab in the middle of the book of Acts, they're sending out two for missionaries. And this is what they said. It seems right to us and the Holy Spirit to send them. I'm like, what? Seems right. Can't you get some tongues of fire going here? You know, some roar, some thunder. So, no, it seems right. There is a point where it just seems right to us and the Holy Spirit. A number of years ago, a man in our church came to me and he'd hit rock bottom. He'd lost his business. He'd lost his marriage. He was struggling with his kids and he didn't know what to do. And he was broke. He'd made a lot of bad decisions leading up to that point. And I remember talking to him and I've talked to many, many, many people and given them the same advice. Don't focus right now on what all you've lost. Let's focus on making one right choice. One right choice. And you'd be amazed when you make one right choice and you combine it with a second right choice and and you start stringing some good choices together, you'll be amazed at how fast God could move. The other day he came up and talked to me and said, Pastor, that advice that you gave me was the best advice I've ever had in my life. 
because I began to focus and I began to make one choice after another choice and God has done unbelievable things in his life. A few good choices. No matter where you are, it might be that you're hit rock bottom in your life. It could be that you hit rock bottom in one area of your life. But if you're in a place, whether you made the choices or not, you're at a place and you're at a low point and you're needing to climb out of the pit in a particular area in your life. It could be in a financial area. It could be literally your entire life. It could be a marriage area. I want to give you four things that you can do. Four small, little, small, few choices that you can make that will make the hugest difference. You don't even have to ask God what the choices are. I'm telling you right now, okay? I'll be God to you right now, okay? Because sometimes we're so low, we, can't, we don't know what to do. So I'm going to tell you, the first one, Stop playing the blame game. Just stop playing the blame game. I understand somebody's hurt you. I understand somebody was involved. You're not responsible for somebody else's sin or somebody else who did something. But you are responsible for yours. Can you look at your life and in this situation, can, I don't, I don't, I'm not concerned about somebody else. What did you do as a husband? Or what did you not do as a husband? Don't tell me about your wife. Don't tell me about your husband. Tell me what you did. So stop playing the blame game. Don't blame others. Don't blame your wife. Don't blame your parents. Don't blame, don't blame God. Don't blame the pastors. You take responsibility. I've heard it said that a partial confession is a powerless confession. You need to confess. You need to take responsibility, full responsibility for your part in whatever it is that got you there. Secondly, shake it off. You gotta shake it off. Come on. You gotta, you gotta forgive yourself. You gotta let it go. Shake it off. Do a little Taylor Swift, T Swizzle, okay? Shake it off. Receive the power of the cross. You know, understand there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is the Holy Spirit telling you you're wrong. You confess it, it goes. Condemnation, you confess it, it just gets worse. Don't let let that go. Don't focus on what has gone in the past. Forget what lies behind. Secondly, don't not only forgive yourself, but forgive others. Whoever it is that's hurt you, whatever, don't focus on it, just forgive them. Lord, as you've forgiven me for everything, I forgive them. I bless them. I bless them. Thirdly, forget it. you got to forget what lies behind. Forget about it, all right? Just forget about it. L- forget what lies behind and press on to what lies ahead. So stop playing the blame game. Stop it. Shake it off. Forgive yourself. Forgive others and forget about it. Move forward. Number three, turn it around. Turn it around. What do I mean? I mean repent. Turn. 180s. You're going one direction. Go Whatever direction you were going, stop. Go, stop doing what you were doing and go the other way. If you need to make some, take some action, restitution, make restitution. Apologize, apologize. You know, if you need to start over, start over. Whatever it is, just repent. Turn away. Turn it around. And lastly, start hoping again. Start hoping again. You've got to hope. You can't move forward without hope. You can't. You will not go forward without hope. I think about David making the worst decisions in the entire world. He looked at Bathsheba. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. He murdered Bathsheba's husband. He covered it up. And he was absolutely miserable. He was miserable. He couldn't eat, he couldn't sleep, and he wanted to not live anymore. He was at at rock bottom. But there was a point where he began to take 
a few, make a few good choices. He confessed it. He confessed his sin before God. He confessed his sin before man. He began to turn. He turned it around. He began to do something different. He changed the direction he was going. He made restitution. You see, David ended up being a man after God's own heart. You'd think that he'd just be wiped away, but he wasn't. No matter how low you are in a particular area of your life, I want you to know God didn't finish with you. He's not finished with you. David ended up literally being able to have Jesus in his lineage. A murderer, an adulterer, someone who was ready to kill themselves, had nothing to live for, but he made a few right choices. Most importantly, he regained hope. The Bible says that I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans that are good and to prosper you, not to harm you. Not to harm you, but to give you a future. Do you know the Lord also says in the scripture? He says that he's, he, 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 he says that there is, I'm trying to think of the, the let me read this scripture real fast. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. You have a call on your life. You've been gifted. You have a call on your life. Okay, I know that you might have messed up. I understand you might be at rock bottom. But let me just tell you, there's hope. Hope is here. Hope is here. There's a gifting. There's a calling that remains in your life. He, ha he knows the plans he has for you, and it's good. Good plans. Good plans. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to make some good decisions ready to make some good decisions. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.